listening to a sermon from Hebron Baptist Church, a church in the northern Kentucky Cincinnati area that's committed to making disciples who make disciples. We want our love for God to be evident in our lives and for the Word of God to bear fruit as we go on mission across the street and around the globe. We hope after hearing this message, you'll connect with us on our website at hebronbaptist.org and visit our campus, not far from I-275 in Hebron, some Sunday morning. And now, here's a message from God's perfect, life-changing Word. If you don't mind, turn on your device to 1 John 2, 3 through 11, or turn in your copy of God's Word. Uh, to 1 John 2, 3 through 11. If you'd like to follow along in the translation that I'm reading from, there are pew Bibles in front of you. And so you can turn there. It's page 1082. As a matter of fact, it's page 1083 on the right, and there's no page number on the left, and that's where you're going to be. So if you wanted that specific direction. Today, we are continuing our series of 1 John. We are looking to see the life that is found in Jesus can be ours. Hallelujah. That fellowship with God is possible because of the light that has come, that the love that he has shown. And in 1 John, we see this beautiful tapestry of what it means to have fellowship with God. And specifically, this book helps us to have assurance in this life with God, fellowship with God. Today we're going to look at what it means to be a believer, to be assured of our faith in Christ, that we should walk the line. And we're going to look at walking the line of obedience and love. So let's look at that together and read from 1 John chapter 2, and we're going to read from verse 3 to 11. This is how we know that we know him if we keep his commands. The one who says, I've come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him, the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old command that you have had from the beginning. The old command is the word you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light but hates his brother or sister is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother or sister remains in light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother or sister is in darkness, walks in darkness, and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning as we sing, draw us nearer, nearer, nearer to you. We're thankful that you have taken the first step in coming to earth and dying for our sins so that you may be known through the forgiveness of sins and through your son, Jesus. Now that we have accepted and believed in him, we come to know you all the more fully in our lives. So Lord, by your word, 
change us, draw us, bring us close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Dean and Sarah has written a book called The Unsaved Christian. And it's a great book that uh, analyzes the culture in which we live, and there's much confusion of what it means to be Christian. He said it highlighted it, actually, in going over across the river to Great American Ballpark. Uh, In the middle of the seventh inning, maybe most of you know, we sing, take me out to the ball game, right? But since September 11th, there's a new tradition that was started to where people sing, God bless America. Now, that happened every game, but a few years ago, I can't remember how long, most um, teams have stopped doing that regularly. They do it on Sundays, but there are a few teams, uh, specifically, I know the Yankees, because that's my team, they still do it every game. But Dean and Sarah was sitting in the in the uh, uh, stadium, and he was watching the ball game, and it came to the, the middle of the seventh inning, and he uh, watched as the whole crowd stood up and started singing these words, God bless America. You know, you know, we're not going to sing that right now, okay? Resist the temptation. But he was bewildered. Are everybody here in the stadium Christians? They're asking and calling out for God to bless America? Statistically speaking, more than likely, more people there are not Christians than are Christians and maybe have different faith or not faith at all. But how could all these people stand up and proclaim, God bless America? It's kind of revealing that there's a lot of spiritual confusion in our world. And there's a lot of confusion when it comes to salvation and assurance. There are some people who uh, would be confused by saying, one, they are secure, but not sure. They're secure in their faith, but if they were honest, they were unsure. There are those who think they're secure, or think they're sure, they think they're sure that they're believers, but they're actually not secure. And there are others who are both secure and sure, that they know they have been saved and they are sure of it. Well, the first people are secure, they know, or they, they, are, they are believers in Christ, they have been born again, they're conscientious believers in Christ, but they lack assurance, they're, they're unsure. The second group are people who are those who think that they're sure, but aren't really secure. They, they are the people who, who say that they are professing Christians, and yet they continue on in life as though they've never been saved. They keep on sinning, they keep on living, and they keep even sometimes saying, Uh, Hey, once saved, always saved, right? I can keep on living whatever way that I want to live. And the third people are professing Christians, born-again believers, who are enjoying a warm, secure relationship with Christ each day. 
So what is assurance of salvation? It is, assurance of salvation is that we know Christ and that he knows us. That our salvation is eternally secure. It is both a, a, a understanding of the objective knowing that Christ has died for my sin and that I have trusted in him and this ongoing knowing that I am secure in relationship with him. As we know this, the objective understanding of this is sure. Nothing changes about this truth. That if we are concerned about our salvation, that we know this, that Christ died once and for all for sin, and that those who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. That doesn't change. That truth never changes. But there is a subjective endeavor that we know that God is at work in us. And the Bible says that that, that is both the the following of his commands and the loving of others. Some of us in this room today might be in the category of doubting our faith or doubting and not knowing that we're truly saved. And I hate that you're at this point. I know I've been there. I know that at times it can feel as though God is far off But I want you to hear this, is that it's okay that you're doubting if you're going to God to answer those doubts. That you keep on going to him and being reminded of the gospel and be reminded of who he is and going back to his word. But there's some of us here today that think we know God, but we don't really know him personally that might have had some experience and know and even claim that God exists, but we've never taken a personal step to make him our Savior and Lord. And to me, that is a concerning place for that we find ourselves. Especially in light of what Jesus says, I think some of the most concerning verses in all the Bible, when he says, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. But there is many people on that day that is going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't I go to grandma's church when I was young? Lord, Lord, didn't I serve in a charity while I, I was able? Lord, Lord, didn't I give a lot of my money to, the, to your, your ministries? And Jesus is going to say, depart from me because I never really knew you. As we look at this, we ask this question, how do we know? How can we be assured? Well, that's the good news of the verses we just read. If you're in trepidation as I was talking just now, here's the good news. Read verse 3 again. This is how we know that you know him. Boy, isn't that good? That we can leave here today knowing that we know God and that we're saved. Today, we're going to look at several tests 
that John helps us to see that we can be sure that we know God and he knows us. These two tests that we're going to read today are what is called the moral and social test. That we are following his commands and we are loving others. Now, I want us to be clear. This is not a test that we pass and fail. But this is observable evidence of the spirit of God at work in us. That we can look and we can say subjectively and observably that the faith of God, the work of Christ has begun in us. Let us be clear from the beginning. You're with me? Our works do not save us. It is only in belief in Jesus Christ and him alone and repentance from our sin that saves. However, if the Spirit of God resides in us, the Spirit of God will testify through us that we are his. There is a change in us. And today we're going to look at what this looks like. Today we will read about the walk the line. How do we say or observing the fact that Christ is in us? We're going to walk the line of obedience instead of disobedience and love instead of hatred. These are two things that the presence of Christ in us reveals through us that we can have assurance. Are you with me? All right, two of you with me. All right, let's get going here. The first, there's two evidences that we can know Christ is at work within us. Number one, that we reveal the light of Christ in us through our obedience. You know, in hindsight, when I was looking at this, I probably should have written it this way. The light of Christ is revealed in us through our obedience. But looking at verse three through four, we see that it is clear that John says the assurance of our faith comes through our obedience to God. Someone who has been saved by Christ obeys Christ. That is the result. Verse 3 says, we, know that we, know, uh, we can know that we know him if we keep his commands. The one who says I have come to know him yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar. The truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word truly is in him. The love of God is made complete. This is how we know him. The one who says he remains in him should walk as he walked. John is very clear with the the encapsulation of how do you know that you know him? And then this is how you know him. What's in the middle? You keep his commands. You obey. Obedience reveals that we know God. So if you're following along in in your notes, that's letter A. Obedience reveals that we know God. You see, when we talk about trusting Christ, we say when you take Christ, you are taking him as Savior and Lord. When you take on Christ, you are not just taking his forgiveness of faith, which is vitally important, but you are trusting him with kingship over your life. Jesus says, follow me, come and follow me. And he also says you need to count the cost. There is an understanding that when we follow Jesus that we accept him in faith, we believe, we are changed, but there is an outcome or a change in our life that we will follow him despite the cost. Some of us know that counting the cost means a change of lifestyle. Some of us means that it's a change in friends. 
many other things might be called upon us as we follow Christ faithfully. You know, one test that always comes up or one comment or conversation that always comes up is I say, you know, Christians, we tithe, we give our money to the church and and people look and say, "Well, well, wait a second, what do you mean by that? I mean, is that something that we have to do? Is that something we we're supposed to do as Christians. I say, look, if you're having problems about giving your money, you better wait and see what's next because Jesus asks for it all. It's not just part of our life. It's all of our life. And for us, we must understand that following Christ's commands is for us to follow him. Our assurance of salvation is that we want to say and know the maker of the universe himself. Isn't it good that we can know that? That that can even be true, that we can say that the maker of the universe knows us and we know him. And that big claim is, can be called presumptuous. But look what the Bible says. It is not the presumptuous nature of saying, I can know God. But it is this, that I say that I know God and don't follow his commands. It is making me out to be a liar. It is really saying that I really don't know him. Because I can't say I know God and not follow him. It's just like I can't say that I'm a toaster and then put bread between my hands and it doesn't really make crispy bread. I'm a liar. And in the same way, I can't say that I know God and not follow his commands. The same way you cannot call yourself a Christian and not follow God's commands. Titus 1, 16 says, they claim to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. We also see as we read this that obedience reveals our love of God. You see, it is not just that we know God, but it is actually the outflow of our love of God that makes us follow him and his commands. We love Jesus because he saved us. John 14, 15, Jesus himself said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Now here's Here's just to help us understand. Jesus came, he died, he rose again. And when we accept him by faith, he saves us. We are overwhelmed with his love for us, which changes the way that we respond to him. It's very similar to how my love for Sarah changed me. When I was Twitter-pated, that's a Bambi line, if I became in love with Sarah, Things in my life started to change because of that. I was overwhelmed by this selfless love and joy that came from her. And she would say things like, boy, you look really good in that blue shirt. So guess what happened? I wore blue all the time. I started to just wear blue. Or she'd say things, well, I really like when you do that, whatever that was. And she liked that cologne I was wearing. Well, guess what? I got, I'm smelling, I mean, walking two miles away, you can smell in that cologne because I knew that pleased her. And so I know, like, even now I know there are things because she loves me, I want to do for her and I want to please her and love her and do these things. And so like when I go to get Chick-fil-A breakfast, I have to make sure I dig down through to get the hash browns because she likes them crispy. 
And so you can't leave the lid on it because you know what happens? You know, that, all that, that moisture and heat gets trapped and then by the time you get home, they're soggy. So you don't want to do that. You, you want to open it up, you set it out, let that air keep it crispy. And so I do that for Sarah because I know she loves crispy hash rounds. Well, in the same way, because of Jesus, he was beaten for me. He was in heaven, but yet he came to darkness for me. He was perfect, and yet he was crushed by the wrath of God for my sins. I know that if he loves me that much, I want to love him completely. And I want to do what he says. I learned that as I learned to love him, I know more about him. I realized that the commands that he has given me is not for my bad or to keep me from good. It's actually for my good. That when he gives commands and rules, it is so that I stay under his protection. That if I stay in his commands, that I will be blessed because I'm under his protection. This is just a hair, this is just a parenting aside. You know, we talk about this. When we talk about Ephesians chapter 6, when it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord because it is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and you have a long life in the land. What is the promise of obeying our father and mother? Is that there is a blessing or command. And so we say, here's the circle obey mom and dad, stay in the circle, you will be blessed. But if you go out of the circle, you're not going to be blessed. If you don't look both ways when you cross the street and you don't do that, which is outside the circle, you could get hit by a car. But if you stay in it, you stay blessed and you can still go across the street and play with your friends and everybody's happy. Or if you follow my rules, if you follow what I'm doing or telling you to do, I want for your good. In the same way, our Heavenly Father gives us commands and instructions and laws. And just as we read, we listen and read the instructions and we thank God for his rules and commands over us that are for our good. We are made complete, it says here. In verse four, that the love of God is made complete in us because we are obeying him. We are made complete because we know God lives in us and it makes us want to obey him more and more. Here's the cycle. The more we love God, the more we know God, the more we want to obey God. And then when we do that, we realize, oh God, we we love God even more. And then we know God more and then we obey him more. This continues to happen in all of our lives. So we understand that we are made complete. There's an old hymn that we sing, trust and obey, right? Trust and obey, because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Obedience also reveals, letter C, our abiding in Christ. Verse six, the one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. John claims that as we obey, we remain in him. We remain in him because we know the power to fulfill the commands cannot come in us. That it only comes through Christ's power through us. 1 Peter 2.21 says, For you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. 
You see, Christ has given us this example that we might remain in him, follow his example, but be empowered by him. When we rely on Christ, we rely on him and trust him to have the strength to obey. So assurance is this, that you are more and more and more looking and walking and living and acting and talking like Jesus. And you're following his commands and his word. So today, we can know we are assured in Christ that if this year, we look more like Jesus than last year. That we have been more obedient in the things of God today than that we were last year or yesterday. That we are growing and having a spirit of repentance that we desire to learn and grow and obey more. Can I tell you the enjoyment of being a pastor for a long time is that you get to see people grow in their obedience of Christ. I know six years ago that I could say that I could point and come to many of you and say, I've been able to see with joy, God change your life and you look more like Jesus. I could name names right now, but I won't because I'll probably forget somebody. But here's the joyous thing, is that God is working in you. And when you see this, you can praise God because you know and be assured you are his. Some of us are growing faster than others, but what matters for his assurance is that you are growing. And maybe some of you are doubting your faith because you have allowed sin to take hold and you're not obeying Christ. See, when you're quenching the spirit, it's hard to feel like you are his when you're deliberately saying no to him. But you know that you can be assured as you would say yes to Christ, yes to the spirit, yes to God's commands. So what commands do you need to follow today? How does your life need to look more like Jesus? As you do, you will find complete joy and assurance of him. The second thing that John helps us see today is that we reveal the light of Christ in us through our love for others. Or rightfully written, the love, light of Christ is revealed in us through our love for others. The second question that, or second response assurance that John gives us is that if you say you walk in light, and you know him, but you hate. Here is the, the help us to know that the assurance that we have in Christ is in our love for others. It's possible for a person to be obedient to a moral code without any sort of real internal change going on. But on the other hand, if there's really this internal change going on, you know you're getting less and less selfish. You're going to get less and less irritable. You're going to find your heart for other people is you're loving people way more than you ever did before. So are you growing in love? Well, we see letter A, love reveals our change in Christ. Verse seven through nine, dear friends, I'm writing to you a new command, but an old command that you have had from the beginning. The old command is the word you have heard, yet I am writing you a new command, which is true in him 
and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light but hates his brother or sister is in the darkness until now. So this, is, this can be confusing. If you read Paul's letters and then you read John's letters, you want to, oh, well, John, why are you writing this way? This doesn't make any sense. You're saying I'm supposed to be writing an old way. I've got an old command. It's a new command, but no, it's not really an old new command. It's an old command, but I'm telling you in a new way. So John, what does this mean? Well, what he, John is trying to help us understand is that the command to love others is not new. It, it's through the entire scriptures. The Ten Commandments are how we love God right and how we love others right. That we know that we love God with all our heart or that we know that we're keeping the Sabbath, but at the end, we love others rightly when we don't kill them, we don't steal from them, we don't covet from them, that we don't do other things to them. This is a, a helpful to know that we are loving others the right way. As a matter of fact, Jesus then reiterated this later when he teaches this in Matthew chapter 22, he said to them, what are the two greatest commands? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So here, what are we seeing? Paul, or John is reminding us, this is not something new from the beginning of time from the time God called out Israel, from the time Jesus started speaking, the change of the gospel in you is that you love others. But here, it is something new. Why is it new? Well, because Jesus came and showed us what true love is. The reason that it's a new command or a new law because Christ, through Christ, we have learned to love in a new and better way. John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus said, I give you a new command, love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, Jesus brings a new understanding to love because without him, it doesn't make any sense. And he brings new understanding to this. First, he gave us a new understanding because it was a new emphasis. He said, look, you can follow a lot of rules and a lot of commands, but here's the, the main ones. Love God and love others. Deuteronomy 6.5 and Leviticus 19.18 declaring the whole law and the prophets hung on these. Secondly, he brought something new because it was a new quality. See, a disciple was not just to love as he loved himself, but now there's a new way to love. The quality is better because it's the same measure that Christ has loved us. What is that? Selfless, giving of himself, expecting nothing in return. A disciple is to love others just as Christ has loved us even unto death. Thirdly, it was new because it was the extent that he gave it. Jesus declared through the teaching of the Good Samaritan that our neighbor is not just somebody who is like us, but anyone who has a need. Jesus even goes as far as saying, love our enemy. Jesus is giving us a new way to love. 
And fourthly, we continue to love in a new way because this new command, this new expression, this new way that God challenges us all the time to love others, love others, this new and every day, a new day is dawn because the darkness is passing, the light of Christ has come, and now we're loving in a new way. And so, letter B, love reveals the way to love others. If Christ has defined the love, then, then we know that it's this way that we love others. Verse 10, the one who loves his brothers and sisters remain in light. There is no cause for stumbling in him. Verse 10 helps us to see again this assurance. We cannot say we are not, that we love God unless we are loving others. In verse 10, how do we know that, how do we love by being born again, putting our faith in Christ and seeing that love comes from him. We are saved in the gospel. Things are brought to the light. And in the light of Christ, we see how to love others rightly. Paul Tripp defines love in this way. Love is willing self-sacrifice for the good of another that does not require reciprocation or that the person being loved is deserving. That's a new way to love. And so this changes how we treat others. John Stott says a disciple was to love others, not just as he was loved himself, but the measure in which Christ has loved him was just selfless, self-sacrificing, even unto death. And this helps guides our actions and responses. So as we're living our life, the light of Christ, the love of Christ helps us how to see how to rightly love each other. How to love our friends right, how to love our spouses right, how to love our children right, how to love other people rightly. Paul David Tripp writes uh, just in his book, The War of Words, he says, winning the war of words involves choosing our words carefully. It's not just about the words we say, but also the words we choose not to say. Isn't that the challenge of love? that we're understanding even in deeper and more understanding ways to love others rightly? So let's just say this. Let's just use this as an example. Light has come and helps us to love others. So let's just say that you're struggling with being resentful. Do you see why walking in the light, understanding the gospel comes out, it actually helps you take being uh, resentful off the table? It says you're not loving your brother or sister. As a matter of fact, it's saying that you're, you're hating them. That if you're resentful, you're wanting something to happen to them or you're not willing to forgive them. And so do you see while walking in the light, understanding this, if you're hating your brother, you have a grudge against someone, you're actually hurting them. So verse 10, the one who loves his brother or sister remains in light. There is no cause for stumbling in him. So this is, how do we do this? Well, how, you keep bringing things into the light. You keep bringing that relationship and that response into the light of Christ. So you can't hold a grudge with others when you do it in light of the gospel. Because God loved you so much. Though he was powerful, he became powerless. Though he, was invul though he was invulnerable, he became vulnerable. Though he was in glory, he came into bone-crushing darkness. Though he was holy, he was ripped to pieces. Do you believe that? Well, if you believe that, then certainly you remember that and your grudges go away. 
At that moment, you're hating someone. You've forgotten the gospel. You've forgotten the forgiveness and love that has come to you. But when you remember, the anger goes away. The resentment goes away. It's good that the light of Christ comes into our lives to reveal how we can rightfully love others. And we can keep going back to the gospel to love each other rightfully. So let us see, love reveals the darkness of hate. Verse 11 says, but those, excuse me, the one who hates his brother or sister in darkness walks in the darkness and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So again, light and darkness, comparison of being in Christ or not. When we are in darkness, we have, when we're in darkness, we are living counter Jesus. When we are saved, we are saved to a new way of life. And John says, if you hate your brother, you are in darkness. And this darkness is blinding you in how to rightfully love each other. A Christian does not hate. Well, you say, well, I don't hate anybody. I don't have any problems with anybody. Well, Jesus helps us understand that we do. Remember over in the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, he says, I've heard it say that thou shalt not murder. Murder is wrong. Then he says, I say unto you, if you're angry with your brother, you're guilty of judgment. And then later on, he says, if you say to them fool, or the Greek word is raka, you that you are in danger of hellfire. Well, what is he saying there? Well, he's saying at three different levels. He says, something we all can agree on. If you murder somebody, you hate them. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're pretty clear on that. We know that that's wrong. But Jesus goes a step further to say, even when you're angry with someone, that is murder and that you are in sin. Well, how is that? Well, because we understand that when we hate someone, that we actually want something to come to harm to them. We either by our own unforgiveness or by our own retaliation or by our own anger or our own whatever we do, we are retaliating to some way. And so we're actually murdering them with our thoughts. And then there's a third level, which is really means, raka means full, means nobody, means that you are totally indifferent to their personhood. So look at those levels that one, we murder somebody we know is wrong. Two, we're angry someone is just as bad. And then three, that it means that we've gone to a point that we so are not loving or hating someone that we don't even respect them as a person. And friends, we understand that the, our human hearts are bent that way. And of course, Satan wants to attack our love and the way that we love others to the point that we go from being angry with someone to where we even are indifferent to their personhood. This is the way that, that all sorts of evil comes about. Proverbs 4.19 says, but the way of the wicked is like the darkest gloom that they don't know what makes them stumble. It is when we go in love and away from love that we understand this, that we get to the point that we think this is not even a person to us. And friends, this is when happens all sorts of things. Abuse happens because we, we don't see the, the rightful nature of humanity and of God in this person. We see racism happen because we, we think that this person is, is to be set aside and isn't worthy of our love. And friends, that is against the light of Christ. And we are walking in sin because of it. And we are really following our father Satan, not the father God. 
So here we see, of course, Satan wants us to follow into darkness, to be blinded so that it ruins our relationships, ruins the reputation of Christ, that instead of loving one another self-sacrificially, instead we want something always in return, or we want them to do something the way that we want them to do. Or it gets to the point where we don't even acknowledge them as a person. Satan wants you to live in darkness. But here's the good news. If you want to be assured today that Christ is in you, that Christ is, 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 uh, is yours and you are his, then you can know this, that if you're growing in love of others, then you are his. If you're becoming more forgiving, more, less irritable, more generous, more kind, then the heart of Jesus is in you. That you are becoming this way with others as Christ was with you. I see many people here at Hebron Baptist who are coming more loving. I remember, we're be, uh, here's something that we talk about all the time. We are becoming more hospitable as a church. That I could say six years ago that we weren't so hospitable, but now we are. That means what? Christ is in us. Christ is changing us. Christ is moving us. That's good. Six years ago, no one even said hi to Sarah and I when we walked in the door. But now, when a guest walks in the door, we're like, okay, why are you all people bugging me? No, I'm just kidding. They love it. And that's what we've heard in our testimony videos. So people, I have somebody invite me to lunch. I have somebody invite me to their house. I have people wanting to know me as a person. And friends, this means that God is at work among us. We cannot deny what we've seen God doing in our midst the last two months, not seeing the hand of God at work in our lives, how God is assuredly working in us. But let me ask some of you, are you not loving? Are you not growing in love? Do you hurt and harm people and do not care? Do you treat people as throwaway or do you treat them however you want? Or brother or sister, you are in darkness. But those of us that we're growing, we're becoming more loving, we're becoming more forgiving. We can be assured that Christ is in us. So today, if you're here and you want more assurance, hear this. If you want assurance in in salvation, trust Christ today. Don't don't worry about anything else. Just know this. Today, you need to trust Christ, believe in him for his payment for your sins and to give your life over to his and to know today that if you repent and believe, today will be the day of your salvation. You can be assured. Our salvation is not based on what we do on any account. And so today, trust in Christ. But today, if you have doubted your salvation, and you feel separated from God, look into your heart. Be assured. See the growth that God has given you by grace to see how you're loving and praise God for it, that you are his and he is yours. Be satisfied today. Obey, obey, obey. Love selflessly and see that God Christ is in you. And if you do not see this in your life, And if you've considered yourself a Christian and you don't see any of this in your life, you might have to consider, am I not in Christ? 
So your step today would be like some we saw on display a month ago where a, a believer came for many years, decades of her life, said, I thought I was in Christ, but then it was revealed to me that I wasn't. Christ's hope is for you today. Christ extends that to you. So what is it that you need to do to know that the Spirit of God is in you? Or maybe today there's a sin, a lack of discipleship, something that is keeping you from obedience and love. What is that? Maybe today you need to confess and repent and be forgiven. Maybe you need to be a believer to come alongside you and disciple you and counsel you and encourage you. Friends, none of us can leave here today unsure of our salvation. This we know that we can know him. Christ is in us. We are following his commands. Little by little, more and more until Christ comes home and that we're loving all the more. Let us pray. God, we are thankful for these words to us today. May they be words of encouragement to the souls that need it. May it be the words of warning to those who need it as well. May we today trust in you, Christ, and you alone for salvation. And as that we will stand before you one day and say, what have you done with my son? Our only response can be is that we have believed and confessed him as Lord and he has paid for my sin. I pray that this is the cry of every heart and that we can be assured of our life in him. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Hebron Baptist Church. We pray as you have listened, the Holy Spirit has worked in your heart that you may faithfully follow him. Most importantly, we hope that you've been drawn into a relationship with God. At Hebron, we believe that the gospel is the central message of the Bible. The gospel is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, and died for our sins. But he was raised from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God. The most appropriate response to hearing this good news is turning from sin and turning to Christ. Don't stay far from God. Instead, repent and believe in Christ and be brought into an intimate relationship with him. If you would like more information about this life-changing decision, please contact us through our website at hebronbaptist.org or even better, come see us on a Sunday morning. May God bless you as you follow him.